the relationship between athletes and cannabis has long been decried for its perceived negative association. Thankfully, that misconception is being reshaped as athletes are now experiencing a certain form of liberation, one which has inspired them to move from the shadows and serve as advocates for the medicine that they deem so vital. These stories are worthy of greater attention and will serve to help augment the discourse around medicinal cannabis. The cannabis culture and sport deserves to be celebrated, not maligned. And these conversations will move us in that direction. Welcome to Winning with Cannabis with your host, Bill Bronner. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, welcome to episode five of Winning with Cannabis. I'm excited to uh, bring a guest of mine on, um, someone whose name and story might be familiar to some, but um, perhaps not to all. Um, and his name is Ross Rebagliati. Did I pronounce that correct, Ross? Pretty close. I, we, we say Rebliati, but uh, yeah, Re- we get, I get a bunch of different Re- uh, versions. I'm sure you end up last name like that, certainly open to interpretation. At any rate, um, excited to have you on the show and excited to um, chat with you and, and, and share your story, which uh, is a compelling one and one that, you. Uh, you know, I think has uh, plenty of ups and downs, but by far and away more ups and downs. And um, I look forward to kind of reflecting upon, um, you know, kind of that kind of narrative arc uh, with our guests. So, um, as we were talking about slightly before here, uh, about your youth growing up on the uh, on the slopes of Whistler, I, if I remember correctly, you actually gravitated to skiing prior to snowboarding, right? Yeah, well, there wasn't a choice at the time. Skiing yeah. was, um, you know, the only thing. I started skiing in um, the late 70s, probably, in, you know, and uh, didn't discover snowboarding until 87, and still in Canada, especially in British Columbia, well, not especially just in Canada, there was no snowboarding allowed um, then. So, yeah, we we uh, we still fell in love with it, anyways. It was kind of like skateboarding in the winter, you know. And you know, we were big. I was a big skateboarder, and, and I, you know, had ramps, skated ramp and bowls. And um, but of course, in in BC, we get snow in the winter, and and skateboarding kind of goes away for a while. Um, indoor parks weren't a thing back then either. So, uh, we resorted to skiing and, and, um, when snowboarding came along, we, we decided that we were going to try that and we built snowboards and, in our woodwork class and tried them out on the local parks within Vancouver and tried hiking up some of the ski resorts before they opened, uh, early season. But, um, even that was, um, wasn't too popular with the, with management. So, um, but it was a love affair and we all, for some reason it was kind of like a, a movement. And, and then within a year from, of that, you know, and already in the States, you know, you could, you could snowboard at Mount Baker, for example, just in Washington, um, where, uh, you know, Craig Kelly's uh, home mountain there. So, um, my dad used to drive us there. And then the next season, Whistler, black home allowed snowboarding so um we were off to the races basically and uh we started um going up to whistler on the weekends when you know i was around 16 and then from there on in it was just a straight path for me um into competition and um you know cover of trans world in 91 and um all kinds of um 
exposure at the time, pre-internet, pre-websites, you know, it was all magazines and, you know, this was a, a big deal for a, a kid in high school to get, get on the cover of trans world. And that sort of propelled my career and my sponsorship capabilities. And, um, as I was a ski racer up until I was 15, which, you know, was 80, 1987 around, it was natural for me to go into competition. And at the time you competed with the same board and all the events. So half pipe and, and the race you did on the same board. And, um, you know, it was uh, pretty bootstrap kind of material back in those days. And the competitors would help build the half pipe with shovels. And, you know, there was no, uh, <laughs> nothing like what we have today. So uh, yeah, it was good times. I imagine your, your friends, your, I'm sorry, your parents were quite overjoyed that your passion had uh, translated into something successful and something that they could kind of buy into. And, um, you know, you, you, you kind of, I'm sure, legitimize the sport of snowboarding for them and obviously for so many others. Because at that time, yeah. as we were talking about before, uh, it was, you know, kind of a fringe type sport, one that was, um, you know, conveniently looked upon that those that were too ignorant to fully understand it or accept it. Uh, so, you know, congrats to you for being such a transformative figure, you and, and so many that uh, helped to turn the page. Um, obviously, it took, uh, I think, it, you know, significantly more time for the, the sport of snowboarding to be universally embraced, but you certainly were there on kind of the cutting edge early on, which is which is really great. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was fun to be involved in uh, the design of the boards and um, all the equipment that uh, that we have today, high backs, you know, were in the thing when I was getting into it. And so, you know, that was, it was fun to watch the progression of the equipment and um, not only that, but the terrain that we were using. Um, you know, I, I eventually started to specialize in, in the racing side of things and alpine snowboarding and not so much on the freestyle end of things, but um, even the race boards have changed so much. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been a journey and it's funny, you know, cannabis and, and snowboarding, even though cannabis isn't a sport, I kind of see it as a sport, like an extreme sport in a way where it just intertwines all these things that I was doing growing up, not so much in ski racing, but as I got older and I was 15, I started learning about snowboarding and it was this counterculture and it was a, you weren't allowed to do it and only some places allowed it and where you were allowed to do it, the other skiers weren't happy about it and you know, that's where, when I was introduced to, to cannabis and, but more so, you know, when I moved up to Whistler when I was 19 and met a bunch of um, ultra endurance athletes that were trekkers and backcountry skiers and mountain bike racers. So I, I learned, you know, just from hanging out with these guys, they, you know, not to get off topic or anything, but you know, they, they use cannabis as soon as they woke up in the morning. And so that's kind of where the light bulb went off and this this wasn't a recreational thing this was actually something that people are using to uh to be the best they can be indeed so i want to i want to fast forward um from your youth to the period of time where you started getting groomed for the olympics and how that evolution came to be and your experience at nagano ultimately because i know that obviously was a significant turning point for you sure well, I, I went through the amateur circuit in, in BC for a number of years from 88 to around 90. And then I got on to World Cup Tour in 91. And um, 
was successful on the World Cup tour as an alpine, you know, racer. So I was making the podium, and by the third year on World Cup tour, I was ranked number one in the world in in racing and in giant slalom. So that was, and then the next year we in '94 we learned that we were that snowboarding was chosen as an actual full medal event in Nagano in in four years from now. So. 94 we learned we were going in 98 and being ranked you know in the number one in the world i was i knew i was going to the olympics that wasn't a a a question for me um but it was how far away they were that was the biggest thing because our races were every year the you know u.s open was every year the european championships etc so to train for something that was four years out that changed everything that made the world cup tour kind of like training for the Olympics and so it was a big uh, a big build up that we weren't used to and there was a lot of things along the way that you know I had a knee operation the next year I blew my ACL and I had to go through surgery and and recovery and then I was you know on the original International Snowboard Federation tour that didn't get picked to bring snowboarding to the Olympics so I had to change tours from one World Cup tour to the new fist tour where i needed the points and so there was that whole transition plus going through recovery rehab for my knee you know i spent the whole off season doing physio seven days a week for three hours a day yeah i I hate to interject i'm I'm curious was cannabis at that time parting your your training regimen were you using it as kind of a performance enhancing supplement if you will yeah yeah i was using it for all different kind of reasons um when I was on tour, I was using it for uh, jet lag and um, boredom sometimes. Believe it or not, we, there was a lot of downtime. And uh, pre-internet, pre-cell phone, pre-connection to the rest of the world, you're just kind of alone in Austria or, or wherever. And um, a lot of the places we stayed at didn't even have phones back in those days. And cell phones weren't a thing either at the time. And so... There was a lot of downtime, and so we, when we weren't racing or training, we sometimes would travel into Innsbruck or Zurich or Amsterdam or where where have you, and um, you know we'd buy hash, which was pretty much the only thing we could we could find at the time. It's much easier. Of, it's it's much easier to maneuver, and it's super stealth. I remember reading yeah. a passage from a, a prior interview where you mentioned that you and a couple of buddies. Um, skillfully added it you know, to uh, some pieces of hash to your gum line as you cross yeah. the border. <laughs> which, um, truth be told, that you're, you're not uh, unique in that regard. That is, uh, you know, a very common p- yeah. uh, pathway to um, to cross the border and and still catch a buzz. I, I remember it was it's fondly. Yeah, yeah, and pre-European Union, so we had to go through every border, and um, it wasn't very conducive to traveling around with it. So. Um, smuggling it around wasn't really our, our thing. We usually just left it where we got it or or whatever. Um, it wasn't it wasn't very fun to be on that side of prohibition. Um, it, it was kind of nerve wracking, but at the same time, um, you know, I knew I was doing something that was healthier than it was the healthier option as far as at the end of the day was concerned. Instead of having beers and you know, not being able to sleep properly and not wake up early for training or for race day um, is an issue. And it, and it creates a lot of other issues as well, just in a team environment. 
you know, if, when people are drinking. And of course, there was lots of parties. This was the World Cup tour, man. We were having fun. And um, some, some people were more into weed and some people were more into drinking. And I was more yes. into weed. And, you know, that was just, I was from BC and I, I was happy to find, you know, weed when I was in Europe. But, um, yeah. Ross, was, I, hate to, was, I, I hate to interrupt prematurely, but we have to yeah. cut to a break and um, highlight some of our sponsors. And then we'll pick up where we left off when we return and uh, talk, talk about this culmination in your life that I um, referred to earlier regarding your gold medal and what ensued thereafter and uh, how you, you prospered and prevailed from it all. So um, we'll go to break. Our advertisers are winners. Please check them out during this brief timeout. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on the cutting edge of cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company. We're back on the field of play with more Winning with Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back. Um, again, I'm joined by uh, my lovely guest, Ross Regbliati. Um, yep. <laughs> Ross, as mentioned before, was uh, certainly was a history-setting individual in that he uh, accomplished something that up to the point had never been accomplished. That was obtaining the first Olympic gold medal in men's snowboarding uh, 20 years ago. Uh, quite a triumph. And um, where we're at... Previously in the conversation, uh, you were talk talking about the rigors of travel and were leading us down the path towards um, mm -hmm. your Olympic experience and yeah. the good and the bad. I remember there were 36 hours of hell, as I think you uh, had had illustrated um, previously in another interview. And let's get into that. Let, let, let's talk sure. about the experience itself and then, um, you know, highlight uh, what, what came in, in its aftermath. So I did the, had my winning run and we did the, the drug test in 
at the bottom in the finish line. And that night was the award ceremonies. And, you know, we celebrated at the hotel. It was all good. Um, you know, for me, a big dream come true. And uh, the next morning we were chilling in my room, in our room. And uh, there was about a bunch of other athletes slash friends hanging around. The coaches came in and said for everybody to get out and for me to stay. <laughs> it was pretty uh, solemn moment. Uh, where, and they told me I should even sit down maybe and that I had somehow tested positive for something and they didn't know what it was and to gather up all my sons that I was taking and put them in a bag and I was going to have to take a shuttle down from Nagano uh, or from uh, the ski resort Shigakogan to down to Nagano. So I told them right there that, you know, like there was nothing that it could possibly be. There's no steroids or anything like that, but it's probably weed because, you know, I come from a pretty weed rich environment in, in Whistler and I was just there and there was people smoking weed all around me. So anyways, we got down to, uh, Nagano, where I was met with, um, and by the way, I took the, the shuttle bus by myself for a two-hour drive <laughs> to lose my medal, which was not a fun drive. Um, it sounds like a very was, depressing journey. Yeah, I was pretty aware of the situation. Like this, it's not like I found out later they were taking my medal away. They they told me that you know this this is serious, and so uh, yeah, it was a pretty solemn drive down there, and I was met by the you know, what 1998 version of, of paparazzi was um, at the time and, you know, pre-internet, you know, pictures and cameras and, you know, and newspapers. And it was just a different animal back in those days. Um, but anyways, it was real, that's for sure. And I was getting pushed around and shoved around by the, the photographers. And um, we, we appealed over the next couple of days, a couple of times, two, three times, you know, I explained that, I had stopped using cannabis back in April, but that I'd been exposed to, you know, my environment in Whistler where there was a lot of secondhand smoke. And, you know, I didn't realize I could test positive for that. I did my drug tests and nothing came back and, you know, nothing changed for me. So it was a big surprise, but they didn't buy into it. You know, it was too bad. You know, it's not the first time an athlete has tested positive for, for cannabis and when won a gold medal. But for me, it was the first time that it got exposed. And so that was, you know, that was my, that's my story. And, um, you know, the, the aftermath, losing the appeals, um, you know, I ended up in, in the jail in, in Nagano. And they were pressing charges against me for importing a controlled substance into Japan, even though it was just in my body and in, in my blood. Did you have representation? Because it seems like a completely groundless assertion um, that's just, you know, nothing but conjecture on their end. I mean, did you have anyone from the U.S. Olympic snowboarding team that was there to defend you and, and to <laughs> kind of counter their arguments? Or were you literally... Yeah, I mean, I was represented. I had representation. But in Japan, you know, they have their own laws and yeah. um, they can do what they want. And who knows what success or not they would have had. But as a 26-year-old kid you know, this wasn't something that I was taking lightly. It was quite shocking to me to be there and um, for this to all be on, on rap. Not only do I lose my medal and I'm disgraced kind of in, in the eyes of the world and prohibition, 
but now I'm actually in jail. That even happened to athletes that get busted for steroids. The drug tests that I had done in Canada before I came to Nagano for the Olympics all got released for some reason and that I had tested positive for cannabis in all of my drug tests. So now I'm really looking bad. And how come no one told me I was testing positive for cannabis when I could lose a gold medal? Like, why are you even testing in the first place? If, you know, you're going to let me get all the way and then take it away then. I went to go meet the, the lawyer, the court of arbitration, because after you lose your appeals, then you go to the court of arbitration. And so I met with my, there was five lawyers who were appointed by the International Olympic Committee. And um, they, I went into this room, spoke with them, and they said, look, things are looking good for you, bud. Um, weed's not even on to banned substances. And then, you know, they had to go back and, and then between meeting with them, that's when I had gone to jail. So I was in the jail when this was being deliberated on. So I had a hope that things were going to be good, but I was still in jail for something different, right? For importing a controlled substance, which had nothing to do with the Olympics at that point. I find that just imaginable that uh, you would have to suffer such turmoil when it wasn't even a banned substance. I feel like that was so mismanaged and... Um, I mean, that's their holy grail. Did that leave right? a huge black eye on the IOC? Yeah. Well, did, did that leave I, a black, I black eye on the IOC? Yeah. I would imagine. I mean, also, my medal is the only medal in history who, that's ever been given back. You know, I'd imagine that that's a black eye for them. It doesn't look good for them. You know, they definitely, you know, and I'm I'm paying the, the price. Um, you know, I paid the price for that, for being exposed as a cannabis user. And as an athlete, no less, and as a role model, no less, being an Olympic champion, where I couldn't get the same opportunities afterwards. And I'm not crying, a, you know, a river here. I'm just saying, like, you know, prohibition part of my life, and and it affected me, and it affected other people, as well, um, neg- negatively. So, um, yeah, you know, I decided to, you know, be the candidate to to carry the torch, cannabis users, and and to fight against prohibition, and that's what I did. I applaud you for, for rising above it all, but you were sullied unnecessarily. And um, I know we don't even know each other, but uh, it, it, it really gets under my skin to know that this was completely preventable. And um, you ended up, you know, for, for many years having to just grapple with, um, you know, many different harsh realities that should never have been in your path. It should have been a much smoother path, which makes your story in terms of prevailing above it all uh, so much more inspiring. Um, the fact that there was struggle uh, throughout and that, uh, you know, your resilience, um, you know, speaks lo- very loudly about, about who you are as, as an individual, Ross. It really does. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's, been, a, so, it's been a long road. It's ongoing, too, you know. Yeah, oh, true. <laughs> we're, no, we're, not, we're not out of the dark yet. Life deals you plenty of curveballs. So um, we have one more break to take, and then we sure. will uh, reengage here shortly before we hear get a word from our sponsors. So... Uh, yes, sit tight. We'll be back in a few minutes. Our advertisers are winners. Please check them out during this brief timeout. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. 
This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. The The Green Green Peak Peak with Richard Zwicky. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. We're back on the field of play with more Winning with Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, greetings to Winning with Cannabis. I'm joined by Ross Rugliotti, um, former gold, Olympic gold medalist for snowboarding. And uh, where, where we left off was we were talking about um, uh, the issue, um, which obviously loomed very significant in your life for a long period of time. And then as a testament to, uh, to your faith in yourself and your family um, and seeing a different vision for yourself, we're able to, um, <clears throat> you know, navigate throughout, uh, you know, various obstacles in your path and ultimately end up where we're at now, where um, it seems like that's a, a relic of history. It's one that I guess obviously is unforgettable. Um, but over the last, you know, what, 20 plus years, you've been able to write a new script um, and really interesting one. So I'd love for you to chat a little bit about uh, your entrepreneurial pursuits. And what I found particularly interesting was that at one point, and I'm not sure if this is still uh, kind of residing in, in the forefront of your mind, but you had even had some political aspirations there in Canada. So do me a yeah. favor. And with the time that we have left, uh, try to summarize sure. uh, from that point <laughs> to where, where we are now. Holy smokes, Gabe. There's even a bigger story, but um, I'll cut to the chase. Yeah, so chronologically, before I I got into the cannabis business, I had gone through some struggle as far as getting on the no-fly list and having problems traveling, you know, back and forth from the States and my career kind of taking a, a turn as far as pro snowboarding was concerned. Basically, what led me to, you know, where I am today was not only, you know, my, my cannabis use and, and my whole experience at the Olympics, you know, the, the trials and tribulations of dealing with prohibition. I ended up, like I said before, having issues traveling and getting, you know, turned around by the U.S., you know, customs with my family trying to visit my mom in California. And I was kind of getting fed up with the opportunities that were that I was that were passing me by. And so I decided, 
you know, this was when I was going to get involved actively and and start a brand um, in the cannabis space. And this was seven years ago, and I started Ross's Gold. And um, you know, it, Ross Gold grew to a, a level where you know we even had a store um, open here a couple of years ago before legal pre legalization. Super popular. Um, you know, we we had a lot of interest from Leafly and the and the other uh, you know big companies that were looming at the time in in Canada. And, and I kind of be- I'm sorry to interject real fast that that development occurred in in kind of in, in lockstep with uh, the decriminalization of cannabis in Canada, and that it was for medical use yeah. only. So you were tapping into that particular segment of the industry, basically creating a brand within the medical realm, which was the, the first thing that was allowed um, about seven years ago in Canada um, for medical purposes. So at the time, we didn't know what the regs were going to be. We launched our, our, our brand, Ross's Gold, and wanted to open up a coffee shop and a dispensary. And then we found out what the regs were not going to provide for that. And so we basically you know, got a line of glass, got bongs and pipes and things like that all across Canada for Ross, Ross Gold Glass um, to get the brand traction and to get, you know, the people around me, the, the support of the people, um, the cannabis users in, in Canada and around the world, basically, to realize, that, you know, what I'm doing and I'm in it to win it. I'm, this is during Prohibition. I'm putting my neck out there. Tommy Chong had just gotten out of jail for having glass right when I launched my glass. So I w- it was saying something in those days to, to do that. Over time, um, I saw an opportunity for another brand. And so now I have Legacy by Ross. Um, Legacy is, is we've got the grow equipment, the grow tents, the organic soil system. Uh, we have full granular salt nutrient system. So whether you want to grow organic with top dress organic soil or you want to grow full salts in a, in a different medium, um, or put them together, you can do that. Uh, we've got our own lights, our own, you know, they're like Gavitas, but they're legacy lights. And um, yeah, the whole nine yards, like our tent comes complete. Um, so we've got the grow end of stuff and the, the dispensaries. Legacy dispensaries are, are rolling out um, in Canada right now. And we're expecting to, to see a rollout in, in the States and in Europe. It becomes federal and in the States and, and uh, in Europe. Um, they're moving in that direction too with already a couple of countries on board like Spain and Portugal. Uh, Germany is right around the corner and Switzerland and Italy are, they already have medical programs. So uh, we're looking at that. Of, of course, you know, my, I carry a little bit of a following in Europe as well. And I know in California and in, and in Colorado and from what I hear and even in New York. So um, I'm, uh, you know, looking forward to it, to it all. And we've, kind of position the brands in different segments of, of the demographic where the Ross Gold brand is sort of the, the rec brand, the you know recreational younger demographic, and then the legacy is um, for athletes, biathletes, topical creams, painkillers, sleep aids, um, you know, also for, and, and um, the big thing in Canada right now is, is craft cannabis and, and growing small batches of, you know, high quality quads and, um, you know, just really killing it on, on the product end of things. So we've got um, craft license applications in for BC, where the BC bud comes from. And um, yeah, we're, we're in, it, in it to win it. We've got uh, 
um, partners and in, in all you know realms of, of the business and in, in right now and um, we're starting to create affiliate programs where other high-end dispensaries that have the same philosophy as, as ours can can be affiliate partners and we can all kind of work together so that you know if you're not in your your part of the, your neck of the woods and you, you come out to Whistler you come out to somewhere else uh, in Canada that you're not you know familiar with you can check you know who's who's one of Ross's partners and and go to their store so um, yeah we're creating a network we're creating a family and it's it's all around um, you know premier quality cannabis and and um, you know high-end branding and and just the lifestyle you know right now you can check out legacybyross.com you can go to my Instagram at Ross Rebliati 98 and uh, see what's going on a day-to-day for me uh, I'm still a carpenter building houses you can you can see that on my Instagram and uh, you know we're bootstrapping tons of brand traction you know that's that's where we're at right now and I think in the industry you're, see, you're starting to see and in the states of course it's all branding because there's no no federals really to follow but in in Canada you know the branding really has not been the focus it, you know it's been capitalization it's been you know what your market cap is and the, the specular you know the speculation that's going on out there isn't going on from within the industry or, or the users it's just from people outside the industry and they're not looking at you know what the people are looking at as far as brands are concerned and so you know when brands start becoming a thing like ford you know what i'm talking about like we're not going to be having no name weed out there so um what what we bring to the table is a story some people can get behind a lifestyle a healthy lifestyle family oriented and performance enhancing it's it's the healthier choice we're happy to get behind that that message and and stand behind that well thank you so much for sharing your story with us today and loved having you on the program ross um and i, I really appreciate your your ability uh, a very steadfast ability that is to continue uh, from day one to kind of lead cannabis into the mainstream and if you've done a, a terrific job at that and i'm sure we'll continue to do so so uh, I applaud you, you. As, a, as a torch bearer and um, yeah, look forward to, to personally having the opportunity to meet one day. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ross. And perhaps later okay. on down the road, we'll, we'll be able to kind of re-engage. And I know we, you know, kind of had to skim over um, a lot of, you know, really kind of colorful uh, parts of that narrative um, that we were getting into, just, you know, given the time restraints, but uh, we'll have to. Yeah, there's more to it than that. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. But thanks for sharing everything. That you you did bet. With my, it was my pleasure. Thanks, Ross. Have a good day. Okay. Bye for now. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.